0: I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 9 a.m. on the 28th of October 2019. This is episode 156 of Bitcoin and Let's get into this tweet from Cairo Zagoras, otherwise known as at BTC Dragon Lord. <clears throat> For someone who's only got a 400, like 430 followers, this dude's got some freaking reach. And I'm real happy about what I'm about to read. Uh, on the 25th, a couple of days ago, he wrote... I'm having enough of the privacy wallet wars. Someone make an independent, a non-set checking tool ASAP. A lot depends on it, and I don't have the skills to do it personally. I'll raise 400,000 sats for its creation. It must independently work via the Tor network must not leak queries. It must be able to calculate a nonsense based on the zero link proposal. The end user must be able to use it out of the box immediately. It shall also display the calculation factors, negative and positive scores for extra effects. Give this weapon into the hands of the people. <laughs> so it's, I, this is an interesting route around for some of the uh, privacy situations. Just being able to. It looks like it's just being able to look at uh, anonymity sets for stuff, like, I guess, for stuff like Wasabi and, and uh, Wallet and, and other types of, of things that are anonymizing coins as they get mixed, blended, washed, whatever the hell you want to call it. Everybody seems to have their own, <laughs> their own name for it. But here's the cool thing. Now immediately after the, I read two tweets in a row because clearly he had, didn't have as many, char- you know, he didn't have enough characters. The third tweet was his CC tweet, and he tagged all the cool people. You know, well, not all the cool people. There's a a ton of cool people in the space, but man, I mean, he ripped open the heart of this one. Brian trolls, Nopara, Samurai Wallet, Samurai Dev, Psychedelic Bart, Candle Hater, Dan Dark Francis Puleo. Mr. Hodel, Coin Icarus, American Hodel, Giacomo Zucco, Fartface 2000, Stop and Decrypt, Crypto Scam Hub, The Vlad Costia, Wiz, White Rabbit BTC, Hillebrand Max. I mean, dude, struck right at the heart of like all these guys. And what was the effect? The very next tweet, hours, not even an, I don't even think it was an hour later, a potential 800,000 sats already pledged. He's raising, then he raises his pledge to 500,000. And then all of a sudden, this thread goes on and on where he's updating how many sats have been pledged. When we get to the end of it, we're looking at 9 million sats have been pledged for this project. 9 million sats have been pledged within a day. Nice job, Caro. Nice job. Okay, moving on into the other community news, we have Hash.Fail, also known as AtZeroNonsense, N-O-N-C-E-N-S-E. He has a tweet thread, and it starts with this. After looking deeper into the issue, there is enormous cause for concern, as the entity in question on the Bitcoin Cash blockchain essentially has full control over the chain at this point in time. And he is referencing a not, sorry, at not Grubel's tweet on October the 25th, which states this. An unknown Bcash miner apparently now controls 50% of its hash rate. This is why using Bcash is a security risk and a liability. Delist it. And he links directly to an old.reddit.com R-B-T-C uh, post, which I'm not going to read because we're going to get into the rest of this with how at zero nonsense kind of describes this. Um, so in the in the very second tweet, Hashfail, uh puts in a, um, a screenshot of the address in question. He says, "Skipping to the chase here, the address in question can be found here," and he gives a uh, he gives a uh, link directly to blockchair.com of the address in question. Continuing, for BTC slash BCH, there is no attribution in block headers. We can make a very educated guess about who mined a given block from, A, address receiving Coinbase transaction or block reward, and or mining pools that sign blocks. With the address in question that we're looking at, it has been the recipient of countless Coinbase awards, so it's more than reasonable to suggest that whatever entity or entities it's attached to equals the connect or connected working in unison. So apparently there seems to be some kind of collaboration here. Here's a quick look at some of the most recent transactions going into this wallet address. All transactions are Coinbase rewards. Basically, you know, each one is 12.5 BCH. And then he's got a a list of all these of these addresses. What's concerning is not just the fact that this address is dominating in terms of percent of blocks found. It is also finding blocks at an absurd rate. Between 11 a.m. and 1 p.m. UTC today, this entity found 24 blocks. That's absurd. BCH has a different retargeting algorithm than BTC, but they are both still designed to manufacture adjusting difficulties that target a consistent 10-minute block time. Thus, on average, there should be six blocks an hour found. However, with this entity finding 24 blocks in a two-hour time span, it is not only beating out the entire network, it's pretty much broken the retargeting algorithm for BCH. This is not good. Attached is documentation on uh, the different retargeting for uh, BC or differential, uh, sorry, difficulty retargeting for BCH. And then he gives a screenshot. Checking Coin.dance, we can see that this entity, going as unknown since they aren't signing any blocks, has won the last 8 out of 14 blocks. Between this entity and BTC top, no one else has won a block on the protocol besides BTCC since block numbers 606283. Perhaps the bigger issue here is that on the BCH block height is that on BCH block height 606283 occurred at 312 p.m., which was an hour ago to the minute right now bch is at a block height of six o six three o four, so twenty one blocks have been found in one hour again, there's only supposed to be six <laughs> spoke with armory sachet seshet, I can't pronounce his name, and other devs in the bch ecosystem they are well they are aware of the problem there's nothing that they can realistically do about the situation since it is out of their hands it is strongly recommended that users avoid transacting on or with BCH at any and all costs until this issue is resolved. And that's, so that's the end of of that tweet storm. It seems very clear that somebody is gaming the difficulty adjustment algorithm that they have put in place. Apparently it's, well, it's the, the algorithm that replaced the emergency difficulty algorithm that was so readily gamed like on the day probably on the day of launch but if not very soon after the day that BCH and its vile stench came into our existence. So, as we've been trying to tell everybody, stop with the shit coinery because this is what happens. You've got somebody who seems to be in clear control of about 50% of the BCH network and if they at any given time decide that they want to crash that son of a bitch they can do it because a 51% attack doesn't necessarily mean that you need 51% of the mining power we've seen various people write articles about that and why so i'm not going to rehash it here but get off, get off that chain i'm sorry this is not this is not investment advice this is life advice You don't want to be on a chain with the scammers. It's just, it's not healthy. It's not healthy at all. Okay, that's the end of the community stuff. Let's get into the news. EOS holds top spot, Bitcoin 11th in China's latest crypto rankings. Oh, God. Marie Houliot is writing for Cointelegraph a couple of hours ago. China's state-backed tech workgroup has released its 14th crypto rankings report, with Bitcoin ranked 11th and EOS, retaining the top spot as of the end of September 2019. The listings rank 35 assets in total, as reported on September 29th by the Center for Information and Industry Development online information portal. Compared with the last installment of the rankings this July, Bitcoin has held its position while altcoin Tron has dislodged Ether from the second spot. XRP is up from 30th to 20th ranked asset. Oh, God. Qtum has risen from 18th to 8th, Lisk from 14th to 7th, and Dash from 21st to 17th. Under the aegis of China's Ministry of Industry and Information Technology, CCID first launched its monthly crypto ratings report back in May of 2018 and awarded Ether the top position out of the original 28 coins. The assets are evaluated according to three parameters, basic technology, application, and innovation. Tron, first included in CCID's rankings this February, has today reported gains of as high as 25% against the U.S. dollar, perhaps following CEO Justin Sun's announcement. (laughs) This guy is announcements of a major as yet undisclosed partnership with an alleged quote mega corporation in quote if that's not enough to make you want to run, dude. That same day, China's President Xi Jinping called for the accelerated national adoption of blockchain technology in an official speech. President Xi's intervention and in positive and positive signs for the People's Bank of China have this week sparked a major uptick in the domestic blockchain sector, spurring the stock markets and fervent interest among uh, among the public. So there you go. Um, why, why include this? I was totally unaware that that China had any kind of rankings thing, and this one is even worse than our domestic ranking, and I can't remember the name of of that thing, but this is all just, it's all, I was going to, I'm not going to say lies, but you might as well go ahead and regard it as lies. This is, this, all of these are shit coins. This is, this is, (laughs) this is a, a ranking system that should probably be avoided at all costs, so When somebody pulls out these rankings and say, but look, it's, yeah, Bitcoin's at 11th. No, it's not. Bitcoin is number one. That's clear. And I don't need China, who doesn't have full control of a blockchain, to rank it. Because if they don't have full control of it, they're not going to rank it high. This would seem to suggest that EOS is probably fully controlled by China. I don't know if that's true, but I mean, come on. All right. Now, this doesn't have anything directly to do with Bitcoin, but it is important. This is uh, torrentfreak.com. This is written by Andy. Andy, I wish you'd give your last name or even if it's just a pseudonym, because attributing your story to just Andy just, I don't know, it just seems wrong. Anyway, backing up doomed radio station online archives was, quote, furiously illegal. (laughs) This was written today. Following what began as a controversial political dispute in Denmark, publicly funded talk radio station Radio 24 SYV will shut down on October the 31st, fearing that years of online archives could be lost forever. Three IT experts created a project to download every show for posterity. As a result, they are now being accused of mass piracy. First launched in November 2011, Radio 24 SYV, or Radio 24, 24-7 is sort of how that works out. Is a talk radio station funded through the mandatory license fees paid by the Danish public? Keep that in mind. This is a publicly funded radio station. On October October 31st, however, the station will come to an end. Earlier this year, Radio 24-7 said it wouldn't be applying for a fresh broadcasting license after the government insisted that, get this... 70% 70% of its employees must live in a certain geographic location in the country. Wow. A must The government is mandating where your employees can live. Just let that spin around in your head for a while. My God. In May, a lifeline appeared when the government said that the station might be able to switch to DAB, rather than FM broadcasting. Ultimately, however, that fell through after another station won the slot. So with an October 31st shutdown looming, what will happen to eight years worth of online, publicly funded show archives and podcasts? Station CEO Jorgen Ramskov announced last week that he was in negotiations to preserve the archive, but for some, that was an assurance that could go either way. A website created by three IT experts called Archives247.dk appeared urging members of the public to use its systems to grab every piece of content and upload it to their servers. Quote, so far, no one has been able to give a clear answer as to what will happen to the eight-year-long radio archive, the website read. For safety's sake, we will get it all. It is a big task, but we will help each other out. Give us your connection and use the page here to copy the files from the archive to our server." In total, 2,000 people joined the call for action, and between them downloaded and then helped store the entire station's archives in just three days. This conversation project or conservation project was unapproved by the radio station, to put it mildly. Station Chief Jorgen Ramskov declared the effort furiously illegal, effectively branding the entire operation as mass piracy. Quote, it is totally and completely pirated, Ramskov told Media Watch. If we had been asked, we would have said no. It is a com- it is a complete infringement of copyright in relation to Radio 24/7, Coda Collecting Society for Songwriters, Composers, and Music Publishers, Gramex Organization for Recording Rights of Recording Companies, and others with rights in the material. "End quote." But for those seeking to ensure that the publicly funded content wasn't consigned to history, if a deal didn't appear, that was an unfair characterization. Quote, we don't want to compete with anything Radio 24-7 does, Jen's Christian Hillerup, one of the project's founders, told dr.dk. If we were to redistribute in the extreme, then it would have to be cleared with Radio 24-7 and possibly other right holders, so I'm a little shocked at what Jorgen Ramskov says. The website created for backup purposes is now down having fulfilled its initial goal. However, with a clear announcement on what will happen to the archive yet to be heard, its booty may may still prove important for preservation. A copy of Radio 24/7's archives already exists in the Royal Library in Denmark, but access is restricted to computers that are on the library's network as well as those at the Danish Film Institute. But that's not broad enough access the backup project believes. Of course, it's good to have it in the library if you research media, but that's not the way podcast media is intended to be consumed, Hillerup said. It is, after all, a utility art that everyone should be able to access without stepping up to the library. In closing, Hillerup hopes... That Radio 24-7 will be able to reach a deal to preserve the archive so everyone can move on. Quote, in that case, our archive will be irrelevant and then we will probably just delete it, he says. This morning, Danish media is widely covering outrage at the termination of the channel and its archives with words like scandal, incomprehensible, and murder being used by politicians and observers to describe its pending demise. Maybe an 11th hour reprieve can save it. If not, the backup will prove more relevant than ever if anyone is brave enough to do anything with it. Okay, so that's it. So uh, all you guys that are just fans of BSV, let's just go ahead and upload that whole archive to your shitty, your shitty, shitty blockchain because since you just don't give a shit about what you put in there, you might as well put this in here where it will... Never see the light of day again because it's mind-boggling how you guys over at BSV think that money should be somehow co-mingled with storage space for the Library of Congress's entire archives, 4K HD movies, and everything else under the sun that you really don't need a blockchain for. You don't need a blockchain for this. These guys already proved that you can store all this stuff without a blockchain. They did it through community action. They did it because they thought this was wrong. And it's probably going to end up saving a lot of people's bacon because eight years of archives that just go down the drain, you know, just deleted off servers or whatever, that's just kind of criminal. That's a that's a lot of content that a lot of people were engaged in creating, recording, producing, post-producing, you name it. Also, the fact that all of this material is owned by the public makes me wonder how the hell anybody else has rights. It was funded by the public. So I, I don't know. But again, this is the kind of this is the kind of crap that we are dealing with. We There's so many people in the world that are able to produce content now. And so much of it is very good. And it's a shame that in, in today's age, that we have a situation where there's not a, a plan of action from every media company to be able to, emergent, uh, um, in an emergency situation like impending doom, be able to back up their entire archives for posterity so they can figure out what the hell to do with it later. The fact that they this radio station did not have a plan in place is uh, bad news. So, okay, there's no, enough of that. <clears throat> Trading fees continuing to drop the competitive exchange space. This is Brave New Coins. Alex Leacher, Leelacher, yeah, Alex Leelacher. Yeah, okay, I'm going to go with Leelacher. (laughs) Existing exchanges compete for a share of roughly 50 billion in crypto assets that are traded every day. As the exchange ecosystem continues to grow, however, trading volumes have not kept pace. As a result, more exchanges are competing for less volume. With over 120 exchanges now competing for traders, crypto exchanges are offering lower fees in an attempt to entice new users. The 2017 crypto bull market brought a wave of new entrepreneurs to the industry who launched exchanges to tap into this burgeoning market. Several of today's leading exchanges were launched in the last three years, including Binance, Bitforex, and Digifinex. Crypto trading volumes, however, have not kept pace. During the 2018 crypto winter, Trading volumes dropped well below their 2017 highs. It took until the second quarter of 2019 when crypto winter began to thaw for trading volumes to recover and surpass their 2017 highs. While volume has picked up substantially in 2019 versus 2017, there is almost three times the number of exchanges that were available then. Additionally, the fast-growing crypto OTC market is putting pressure on exchanges. While there is no hard data on how much crypto trading is conducted over-the-counter, anecdotal evidence suggests that it may be up to three times the volumes that we see on exchanges. VCs, crypto funds, and institutional investors generally prefer to trade OTC, which means exchanges are not benefiting as much from the institutionalization of Bitcoin as they would like. A number of exchanges have already started to cut fees, either temporary to entice new users to join or permanently to set a new standard. A handful of trading platforms have even cut trading fees entirely. Most crypto exchanges used to charge a 0.25% per trade. Today, a large number of leading exchanges, including Binance, KuCoin, and Liquid, are charging prices. Uh, price takers only 0.1%, while the likes of Bitfinex, Huobi, and IDAX charge 0.2% per trade. However, some exchanges have lowered their fees even further to attract more users to their platforms. Race to the bottom. <clears throat> In August, Hong Kong based HitBTC announced that it had cut its fees to offer the lowest fees on the market. The new fee schedule starts at 0.07% for price tra- takers for traders with a 30-day trading volume of less than 500 BTC and goes to as low as 0.02% for traders who trade over 100,000 BTC each month. Price makers who trade over 50,000 BTC on a monthly basis even receive a rebate of 0.01% on trades. Chicago-based exchange Seed CX, which I've never heard of, announced in September that it had cut its trading fees after several weeks of high trading volumes. Price-takers are charged only five basis points, while price-makers receive a one-basis point rebate. Poloniex, which has recently been spun out of circle, announced on October the 18th that it cut out all of its spot trading fees to zero until the end of the year. While this is only a temporary action to entice international traders to register on the platform— It shows that exchanges are willing to take this step as new users become increasingly difficult to acquire. As the competition for new users increases, we can expect trading fees to continue to compress. Additionally, all it would take is for Binance or one of the other leading exchanges to adopt a zero-fee trading model for the rest of the market to be forced to follow to stay competitive. Oh, the race towards zero trading fee can already be witnessed in the traditional retail brokerage market. In early October, Charles Schwab announced that it would cut its fees to zero for stocks, ETFs, and options tradings. This move forced many of its competitors, including Ally Invest, Fidelity, ETrade, and TD America Trade, to follow suit. The zero fee model has been pioneered by fintech startup Robinhood. In light of the substantial oh sorry, in light of the substantial user growth that the California-based startup has experienced, it was only a matter of time for the other retail brokerages to follow suit. In 2018, Robinhood also added crypto assets to its array of assets, which put added pressure on crypto exchanges to reduce fees. Moreover, passive investing has become more popular and easier than ever, partly due to the emergence of so-called robo-advisors, which has forced brokerages to cut fees to retain customers. Crypto exchanges have already responded to the increasingly competitive environment by exploring new monetization avenues to become less reliant on trading fees. Charging a listing fee for new assets has been a popular revenue stream, while platforms that enable margin trading also charge lending fees. There there are also withdrawal fees, although they primarily exist to cover blockchain transaction costs. Airdrops, which are intended to promote new projects, are another way exchanges earn revenues – IEOs, or initial exchange offerings, have become an additional monetization avenue this year, although many experts suggest that IEOs will soon have to give way to the STO as regulatory pressure mounts, What is clear is that exchanges will need to continue to explore new revenue models in order to survive in a zero-fee trading environment, as the recent wave of exchange closures show, relying primarily on trading fees will not cut it in the increasingly competitive exchange ecosystem. So there you go um the ecosystem of trading is is sort of like what oh, cannibalizing itself in a way the the race I I just I I don't see this as like really good news I mean on the surface it's like yay no trading fees but guys all this really does is make it even more likely that more exchanges will close down and every time that a closure occurs the people, having anything to do with the exchange will have a decision to make. Shall they return everything that is sitting in the hot wallets on the exchange to all their customers or will they exit scam? Uh, As we've seen, I'm going with exit scam. Again, this is a warning. Don't keep your money on exchanges. Don't do it. It's just going to end up badly. And this whole fee race to the bottom thing is should scare the living piss out of you. It really should, because you never know who's gonna die. Binance and BitMEX and things like that will probably not die. But if you're on an exchange that is unknown or or you know has just launched in the last year, you're really taking a risk, man. Really taking a risk. Okay. William Suberg writing for Cointelegraph uh this morning Bitcoin trading spikes as Argentina bans buying more than $200 a month. (laughs) Capital controls, guys. Argentina is back on the radar for Bitcoin proponents after sudden capital controls cut U.S. dollar purchasing power by 98%. As news outlets reported, including Cointelegraph Brazil, on October the 28th, the country's central bank has opted to reduce the amount of dollars a saver can purchase each month from $10,000 to just $200 a drop of 98% the stringiest st- sorry, sorry the stringent new rules appeared on Sunday the day voters elected a new president oh really the previous $10,000 limit itself came into being as a result of capital controls in September Argentina has seen a value, the value of its fiat currency The Argentine peso fall dramatically this year with annual inflation exceeding 50%. In a statement, the Central Bank of Argentina said the reduced dollar access would last for two months, two weeks, just two weeks. Given the current degree of uncertainty, the Board of Directors at the BCRA decided to take a series of measures this Sunday that seek to preserve the reserves of the central bank. The measures announced are temporary until December of 2019, it is said in a statement. The bank continued, quote, It establishes a new limit of $200 per month for dollar purchases for individuals with a bank account and $100 for the amount of dollars that can be purchased in cash. These limits are not cumulative. The move came as Argentina posted its third strongest week on, on record for Bitcoin trading on P2P platform LocalBitcoins. According to the data from Coindance, for the week ending October the 26th, accounts traded 14.15 million Argentine pesos, or about a quarter million dollars U.S. It should be noted that the tally in BTC terms were not high, With the volumes highlighting the continued weakness in the peso, nonetheless, Bitcoin commentators were quick to point out the benefits of switching to the decentralized cryptocurrency, quote, it's not your money if you need permission to use it, end quote, Twitter analyst Rhythm summarized on Monday. The previous president had appeared more interested in Bitcoin's potential. As Cointelegraph reported, Mauricio? Yeah, Mauricio Macri met with venture capitalist Tim Draper in March, during which the pair reportedly struck a deal to adopt Bitcoin as Argentina's currency if it performed strongly enough compared to the peso. Since then, other capital control experiments have garnered similar reactions from Bitcoin's fears, notably the shutdown of Lebanon's banks last week. And that's it. And we're going to get into that Lebanon situation right now from Reuters. This is, oh, that's right. Reuters doesn't ever give attributions to who wrote it. Lebanon puts temporary ban on taking large sums of dollar cash out of the country. Really, this was uh, yesterday, Uh, yesterday afternoon, Beirut. A Lebanese state prosecutor on Sunday banned traders and money exchangers from taking significant amounts of physical dollar currency out of the country at air and land borders, state news agency NNA said. The order, which it said was issued by public prosecutor Ghassan Uludhud, yeah, I'm not pronouncing that one, Impose the ban until the central bank determined a new mechanism for regulating such transfers, NNA reported. People have previously been able to take large sums of dollar cash out of Lebanon with a permit from customs authorities. Oh God, you got to get permission to use your own damn money. Quote, the customs directorate will subject the transfer of funds to the mechanism that Lebanon central bank will determine, end quote, NNA said. 11 days of nationwide protests have caused banks to be closed for eight working days. The bank, okay, just again, let's say that again. 11 days of protests have caused banks to close for eight working days. You haven't been able to get, even look at your money for 11 straight days. Man, this is why we Bitcoin. Continuing, the country's banking association said Bitcoin Bitcoin, banks would remain closed until stability is restored amid growing fears that a rush to withdraw savings when they reopen could deplete dwindling foreign currency deposits. Separately, central bank governor Raid Salama said in a statement on Sunday that uh, that currency exchangers must be licensed by the central bank to move funds. Do it through licensed companies or apply for a license yourself. Quote, then there are no restrictions on the amounts shipped and there is no need to request prior authorization, the central bank statement said. The Lebanese exchange market will remain a free market in accordance with the current central bank laws and circulars. The BDL will not issue any new circular on this subject, it said. As protests grip the country, Lebanon's banking association has held meetings in recent days in search of a way to reopen banks without triggering a run on deposits. The historic wave of protests in Lebanon is targeted against political leaders blamed for corruption and steering the country toward economic collapse. Who would have guessed it? There is no sign of moves towards a compromise between the government and protesters whose demands include its resignation. I guess they want the entire government to resign. Ballers. I love it. Lebanon, where the Lebanese pound currency is pegged to the dollar, is one of the world's most heavily indebted states. Capital inflows needed to finance the state deficit and pay for imports have been slowing down, generating financial pressure not seen in decades, including the emergence of a parallel market for dollars. So yeah, there's fires are all over the world and Lebanon is no excuse. I think there are now 14 countries and or cities in active revolt. And I don't even think that include the yellow vests. By the way, the yellow vests are now entering their 50th week of constant protest. You don't see a word about it, but Yeah, today, this is starting the 50th week of the Yellow Vest protest in France and, you know, moreover, mostly in Paris, but still France. Um, Yeah, there's fire. Dumpster fires are everywhere. And once it gets, it seems to me the pattern is this. Once these protests get to a a certain point, banks close down. Capital controls get installed, and the Argentina situation with the fact that that cap that they went from ten thousand to two hundred the day that they elected a new president that should raise all the hackles on your neck. And if it doesn't, then you are not listening. Bitcoin pops after Xi Jinping blockchain endorsement, and this is getting a little into the theory that it was all Xi's fault that we had that pop. I'm not so entirely sure that it was all his fault. I certainly think that it was a tri- was being attributed, or that it had an attribute towards the pop. But I'm also thinking that uh, I don't know Lebanon imposing capital controls, Argentina imposing capital controls, the fact that there's dumpster fires everywhere, everybody is getting the full the full notion that if that if it's your money. You don't have access to it without permission, and I think people are getting a little tired of that one because money, like clothes and food, are kind of necessary for life. This is David Babian writing for News BTC. Uh, When was this? Oh, uh, this was sometime this morning. The benchmark cryptocurrency established a new session high of 10540 talking about BTC, after rising by $3,000 over the weekend. The surplus games came after a depressive impor- performance last week, where Bitcoin price shed as much as 17%, or about $1,500. However, on Friday... Jinping, called blockchain a core technology of China's next age innovation plans. The premier called for more investments into the nascent sector, a move that speculators treated as bullish for blockchain's first working application, Bitcoin. Only working application, I might add. I know, I know. I'm sure you can find something that quote-unquote works. It'll work until it doesn't. Remember what Andreas Antonopoulos always said, and I know a lot of you guys are not liking that guy, but I always think about about him back when he st- was, was not talking about Ethereum. He used to say that Bitcoin is the only ship at sea, out in the open water, out in the open ocean, actually having to steer and get away from storms and have the crew bail water out of the hold. Out of the hold. And everybody else is sitting there pointing at us and laughing, and we're looking at them through binoculars, noticing one thing only. They're still in the harbor. Everything's safe in the harbor. Bitcoin's the only one out rocking the open ocean, so whatever. Maple Leaf Capital, a UK-based investment management company, conclusively suggested that Jinping's comments on the blockchain would make it possible for people to ignore Bitcoin. No. (laughs) The more educated a common man becomes about cryptocurrency, the better would be his likelihood of buying it. I think that there is a typo there. Let's go back for just a second conclusively suggested that Jinping's comments on the blockchain would make it possible for people to ignore Bitcoin. I think he means impossible for people to ignore Bitcoin. The more educated a common man becomes about cryptocurrency, the cryptocurrency, the better would be his likelihood of buying it. As in Bitcoin. Excerpt, excerpts. Quote Doesn't mean Bitcoin can't go lower in the interim, chart says, chop for a while. But this event is something to be extra mindful of as it actually drives both narrative and fundamentals, i.e., demand, similar to the having being a supply event. That was Maple Leaf Capital's uh, uh, tweet. Continuing, Bitcoin opened Monday in negative territory as it underwent a natural downside correction after the weekend spike. The cryptocurrency, as of 0,956 UTC, was trading at 9,400, down 1.5% from the open. The move downhill also occurred amid signs of improving trade talks between the U.S. and China. They never improve on specific issues. (laughs) They They always use that. Also – also, the macroeconomic sentiment hinted a near term revival as Brussels came closer to granting the UK an extension until january thirty first to finalize the Brexit deal. If the treaty is signed in the Parliament, Prime Minister Boris Johnson could also have the UK divorce the European Union on december the first or the New Year's Day or New Year's Day. The pound nevertheless slipped by a moderate zero point zero two percent against the US dollar. The drop appeared technical, especially after the Sterling recorded its biggest monthly gain since January of twenty eighteen meanwhile the FTSE 100 index opened lower as well down by 0.3% as the time of this writing uh continuing yeah, there's not much to continue cuz it just, just goes into the s&p 500 index but again i'm not incre- i'm not so convinced that it was just uh the premier of china's comments on blockchain that caused this pop I'm not saying that it didn't have anything to do with it. I'm just saying that there's a whole bunch of other stuff going on in the world and one guy opening his mouth that caught, and and us to actually believe that it's the one thing that caused Bitcoin to pump. I think that that would be a, a I think that would be a fairly dangerous sentiment to hold. Um Oh, crypto capital president arrested. Bitfinex releases statement. Landon Manning writing for Bitcoin Magazine October the 25th says, Ivan Manuel Molina-Lee, the president of payments processor Crypto Capital, was reportedly extradited into Polish police custody from Greece on October the 25th. Polish media sources have reported Lee's entrance into Poland, escorted by a police detachment in connection to money laundering for Colombian drug cartels through the cryptocurrency exchange Bitfinex. Following the arrest, Stuart Hogner, general counsel at Bitfinex, issued a statement noting that Lee was detained by authorities in Greece several months before he was extradited to Poland and that Oz Yosef, another principal at Crypto Capital, has been indicted on three criminal counts by the United States Attorney for the Southern District of New York. It's always New York. Yosef, also known as Oz Yosef, has also been tied to a Panama shell company. Mm-hmm. Getting awfully close to some other people that we know in the space. Hogner also added context around crypto capital's connection with Bitfinex. Quote, crypto capital proceeds process certain funds for and on behalf of Bitfinex for several years. During that period, Bitfinex relied upon various systemic representations from crypto capital, including from Molina and Yosef. That proved to be false. Among these representations, Crypto Capital regularly referred to its integrity, banking expertise, robust compliance program, and financial licenses, end quote, said Hogner. Bitfinex has been in a legal dispute with crypto capital for some time. Earlier in October 2019, Bitfinex filed a subpoena application in which it claimed it lost over $800 million U.S. because of criminal mismanagement by crypto capital. To make up for this loss, Bitfinex conducted a $1 billion private token sale in May of 2019. Following Lee's arrest, Bloomberg reported that Bitfinex has been trying to get back some $360 million U.S. that was seized from Crypto Capital's accounts in a Polish bank as part of the investigation. Quote, Bitfinex is the victim of a fraud and is making its position clear to the relevant authorities, including those in Poland and the United States. This week's developments do nothing to affect or otherwise deter Bitfinex claims <clears throat> to funds in Poland or anywhere else. We will continue to work to recover all funds. For and on behalf of our stakeholders, said Hogner's statement. So there you go. This this all goes all the way back to that whole shit show where they lost $800 million, which is, hasn't been reported on since, well, until now, because they're arresting people from crypto capital who have apparently fled. I mean, it's... Uh, we 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 live on a very dangerous ocean <laughs> and we we all need to pull together to make sure the boat doesn't sink okay keep your shit off of exchanges don't do it don't i mean if if you're an active trader i i get it but my god is there a way that you can just do your trade and then get off figure out another trade, get on, do the trade, and then get off. Because if you're leaving your money on an exchange, especially like overnight, you could wake up uh, to horrid, horrid things. Oh, BACT's futures volume explodes 260% to trade $11 million in 24 hours. This is William Suberg writing for Cointelegraph this morning. Institutional Bitcoin trading platform BACT is on course to treble, its all-time high for trade volume after hitting new records last week. According to data from Twitter-based monitoring resource BACT Volume bot on October the twenty-sixth, BACT traded one thousand one hundred and eighty-three Bitcoin futures contracts or one thousand one hundred and eighty-three BTC or eleven million dollars on Friday, compared to just 300 and 331 contracts. On Thursday, the increase in just 24 hours was 250%, dwarfing previous jumps, which themselves had resulted in all-time highs earlier in October. Uh, at press time Monday, daily trading amounted to 240 BTC, with the majority of the trading day still to come. Back's performance clearly benefited from the news that China had opted to officially embrace, embrace blockchain technology. When it broke late last week, Bitcoin reacted immediately, going on to reach local highs of 10,500. Nonetheless, compared to its launch in September, BAC's success is all the more remarkable. As Cointelegraph reported at the time, options were split on Bax Futures Day 1 saw just 71 BTC or around 700 grand. Traded Thereafter, Bitcoin price volatility saw the company field criticism. It was pressuring markets. One executive told mainstream media that conversely, bat futures were helping Bitcoin price discovery. In the near future, industry players believe institutional tools will continue to support Bitcoin. In particular, the appearance of custody solutions for investors should spur additional influxes. Serial investor Mike Novogratz forecast in an interview last week. BACT is preparing to debut a custody service, having announced Bitcoin regulated option tradings on Wednesday. Novogratz is also bringing his own to market. So Backed, uh, I think it was like we could probably just say 72 hours ago, people were like freaking out that BACT's volume was just insanely low. This is the way the space goes, guys. This is one of the reasons why I never make price predictions, because A, I don't know how. And and B, if I did, I'd be immediately wrong within minutes. Colon Post is writing for Cointelegraph that the United States court orders dark web drug dealer to forfeit 150K in Bitcoin. A United States court has ordered Christopher Banya, who recently pleaded guilty to drug dris- distribution, to give up almost 17 BTC, worth roughly around 150 grand at press time. Per the October 19th order from a court in Wisconsin, Banya will need to forfeit approximately 16.918 Bitcoin C's from Banya's local Bitcoins account. Ask, I need to ask them how that happened. Though worth roughly 153,000 at publication, as of at time of publication, it is much less. Then the 124 BTC that the court is returning to the defendant alongside various other cryptocurrencies and over 50,000 in cash seized from his residence upon arrest. Though originally charged with money laundering, importation of controlled substances, and maintaining a drug property, Banya's plea on September the sixth was to was to the single charge of possession of controlled substances with intent to distribute, which carries a maximum sentence of 20 years in jail. Banya's plea admits to selling marijuana, cocaine, MDMA, and LSD on the dark web. However, he denies distributing the methamphetamines, heroin, and cocaine base that authorities also found at his home. So cocaine base is different than actual cocaine. So he did sell cocaine, but not cocaine-based. So that's that's a different thing altogether. U.S. Border Patrol originally launched the investigation into Banya's dealings after intercepting two packages from Belgium containing MDMA. Investigators were able to trace Banya's use of dark web, dark, dark web distribution networks thanks to his... Transaction notebooks, which the court filings describe as meticulous, that's how the that's how the Nazis ended up ended up at the, uh, the all those court proceedings because they kept meticulous notes on the horrors that they were doing to humanity. So if you guys are going to go do something illegal, uh, you're in a rock and a hard place because you still need to to keep notes. But the second those things are horked, you're hosed because. You know, well, just because. Other dark, uh, recent dark web prosecutions in the U.S. included a couple at California who pleaded guilty to similar charges in August, as CoinTelegraph reported at the time. Near the end of July, a Florida man admitted to operating a massive opioid distribution network online. The court, in that instance, fined him over four million dollars. That's gonna do it for Morning Roundup. Vital statistics should be a little bit more pleasant today than it has been of from the past. Uh, we have a Bitcoin price at $9,356. Oh, obviously, that's a better price than $7,74 or whatever we were at. Uh, we have a low over at HitBTC for, yeah, looks like $9,316. Do we have a high? Nope, that price is our high. So... Uh, Again, we've been in a really tight trading pattern for a while. 302,000 BTC have been sent over the last 24 hours with an average being sent per per hour of 12,000. Sorry, I blew that up. Sorry, guys. 302,000 transactions have been made over the last 24 hours and 12,600 transactions are being made on average per hour. 1,231,000 BTC have been sent in that last 24 hours, with an average being sent per hour of 51,000. The average transaction uh, value is 4 BTC, and the median transaction value is 0.027, or about 250 bucks USD. Block times are high at 11 minutes, 5 seconds. 0.29 0.29 BTC are being taken in fees on a per block basis. 37.7 BTC have been taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. We've had a 7% drop in the hash rate, bringing us down to 83.3 exahashes per second. The last commit to the uh, to Bitcoin's core uh, looks to be on the 26th. It's a little bit late. I was kind of expecting a, a GitHub... Uh, Addition sometime this morning. Ethereum is at 183. Bcash is at God, 265. Litecoin is at 58. BSV is at 137. Ethereum Classic is at 4.8. Dogecoin is at 0.0027. And at 24,000 transactions in the last 24 hours, Doge is still walking all over Litecoin. Litecoin is just not getting any love at all. Well, it's a shitcoin, so who cares? Mempool is eh, not deep. We're six blocks in. We're about sixty five hundred unconfirmed transactions. We have a oh, ooh. We don't have exactly full blocks, but all the ones that I see are over one megabyte. And then this one with seventeen hundred transactions has one point is uh, loaded up at one point six megabytes. And all the blocks coming off the line are all going to be pretty much in the, these next seven or six blocks are all going to be over one megabyte. Uh, now, that was mempool.space, by the way, if you want to uh, take a look at that yourself. <clears throat> we have 10,284 lightning nodes. The number of that is up 2.6% on a month over month basis. We have... Oh, uh, four brand new nodes coming online which represents a 33 percent drop in the amount of new nodes coming online in the last 24 hours and we have 128 brand spanking new baby channels that is up about 50 percent in a 24 hour period that's going to do it for vitals <laughs> All right, we're starting Journey Week this week. We're going to do all Journey this week. Why? Because it's my show. I get to call the shots. Although, I'm going to say this. This first song that I'm going to play is not the Journey that had Steve Perry as their lead singer. Um, this is their current lead singer. As far as I know, he's still current. And I think he's been current since, I don't know. He's been with them for a while. Um, his name is Arnel Panita. And he's got, he's got a really great voice, but the story about how they found him as their lead singer is actually kind of cool. Um, they went through a few, like, I think they had, um, let's see Steve Perry left in 98 and Steve, Gary came in for, uh, and he left in 2006 in 2007, Arnell Pineda and I believe he's from the Philippines or I, I, I do. I think he's from the Philippines. Um, he came in in 2007, and as far as I know, he is still with them. Uh, but this this particular song that I was going to play for you has a couple of things that both I love and I absolutely freaking can't stand. What do I love about this song? The guitar work. The The, the guitar work is just... The, God, my God almighty, Neil Sean is like one of the best guitar players that I've ever heard in my life. He's been a favorite guitar player of mine since I was a freaking kid, man. And the the dude, if you hear him talk, it's like he's kind of your he's he reminds me of like the classic guitar player in a band that's like kind of doesn't give a shit about learning anything other than just playing Badass guitar. And he does this in spades. If you were to ask him about, like, oh, what do you think about the economy? He'd probably just look at you and just his eyes would just glaze over. Good. I'm glad there are people that don't care. <laughs> we need those people that don't care because all he seems to care about is playing guitar. So the opening, especially the opening riff, is just one of the things that made me stand up. What do I hate about this song? The bridge. I don't know how many people listen to me that, that, have ever tried to write music or, or been in a band or, you know, been as part, you know, I've been in a band. I was part of a, a a songwriting duo between me and my, uh, me and my old bass player, Doug. And we wrote some, we, we wrote good music. We really, we really did. It just wasn't ever going to happen because life and things and stuff, but bridges are hard because you're trying to actually, alleviate what's been going on in the song to give the listener a break and then come back to the theme of the song with the chorus and, and the, you know, the, the stuff that that you had introduced the song with that bridge kind of gives you a resting spot and bridges pretty much, as far as I'm concerned, bridges are done only one of two ways. There are no shades of gray. They either suck or they're fabulous. The bridge here absolutely is, I, I can't stand it. But because the guitar playing is so badass and the rest of the song is pretty good, I'm going to play it so I can get the new singer stuff, uh, Journey stuff out of the way. And we'll go back with uh, Old Journey for Wednesday and Friday that has Steve Perry in it, because I think he was the, out of all of them, he is the far superior lead vocalist. I really wish that they'd figure out a way to get all their bullshit behind them so that they could uh, team back up at least for another album and maybe another tour. But I've kind of lost hope for all of that now, which really sucks. But other than that, at least we still have their archive. (laughs)
1: The shadows of time.
0: Yeah, I got sidetracked about the story of Arnell. Uh, the way that Journey found them is they, they had opened or, or announced that they were looking for singers, but they were going to do it online. So they were asking people to send in like, you know, YouTube videos of them singing. And they got like, huh, th- I think they had to wade through thousands of, uh, quote, I guess, online audition, you know, a- auditions. And they were at the end of their limit. They, they could find nobody. And somehow or another, I think it was Neil that was just, he was just scanning through regular old YouTube videos and found Arnell um, singing against, I think, I, singing against one of their earlier, you know, way earlier songs, like in the late 70s and, and early to mid 80s, and was apparently completely blown away and did everything he could to make sure that he got in contact with Arnell. And the rest, as they say, is history. So there's that. Today's Daily wreck is brought to you by UBS. You can find UBS at UBS on Twitter. So four days ago, they write this tweet. <clears throat> Bitcoin is down 8% in 48 hours and 60% from its high. So, we thought it's worth resharing our global economist, Paul Bonavent's report on the economic effects of bursting bubbles. Download the report here, and they give a link. Now, where's the train wreck on this? The train wreck is, is illustrated by our friend Lewin Bonke, L E W I N B O E H N K E, who says that report was published on October the 11th of 2017. Yeah, life comes at you pretty fast. Uh, Lewin continues his tweet or his reply to that tweet saying price of BTC today, roughly two years later is 16% higher than at the time of that publication. And then, uh, Joel O. Regalto follows up with this: They're so dumb they don't take their time to do some fast checks before posting. Okay, so yeah, UBS is take was trying to take this opportunity uh, to take a big old dump on Bitcoin, and of course, everybody and their dog is calling them out. I'm not going to get you know go into the rest of the replies, but they're all similar. There's not a lot of people that are on UBS's side. I kind of feel bad for the um, social media managers at companies like this that are pretty much every time they post anything, the replies are just like, you're all thieves. You know, at what point do you just throw up your hands and go, my God, I've got to find some some other industry to work in or at least some other company. Anyway, you're smoldering pile there in the corner. Dad says jokes is bringing you your terrible joke because why? Cuz dad always says really terrible jokes and this one is is no exception. What kind of vitamin improves your eyesight? Vitamin C yeah baby that's the terrible joke i like to read of course if you didn't get it it's because the word c is written s-e-e not the letter c that's why it's so freaking bad i can only assume that dad says jokes doesn't write all these jokes he probably gets them from the community but hey it doesn't matter where the jokes come from as long as dad tells them they're always terrible um gonna be a potentially a weird week for uh bitcoin space so be aware um Haters will come out like they always do. Uh, we've already seen UBS try a couple of days ago to uh, rain on, on Bitcoin's parade and then immediately get get trounced by a face-ripping 16% move. Uh, if you're not used to those yet, get used to them. The, these moves are going to be with us for a long time because price discovery is not going to happen quickly, and it's certainly not going to happen without a lot of blood in the streets. And a lot of euphoria too. I mean, it's not always blood in the streets. There's, there's a, you know, always a, a good amount of euphoria. It's just, it's a mixed bag. You never know what you're going to get. Um, in, I, in either event, um, keep your eyes, keep, uh, keep your eyes on Lebanon, keep your eyes on Argentina. I would especially be keeping my eyes on Argentina because this move of capital controls came on the same day as the, uh, as their new president was elected. That Somehow or another, that telegraphs something bad to me. I can't put my finger entirely on it without going full tinfoil hat. But if I were to grab my tinfoil hat, I'd say that they know something is afoot. And it's probably not going to be very good for Argentinians, which suck because I like Argentina. For a long time, I always kind of regarded Argentina as the Texas of South America. Why? There's a lot of ranching that goes on in Argentina, and in, in, in a very real way, a lot of the landscape kind of reminds me of Texas when I'm looking at pictures of it. Anyway, and they and you know like uh, tons of cattle, and they're probably some of the best barbecuers on the face of the planet. They these people know how to cook beef like nobody's business, man. If you've and I'm not talking about those Argentinian uh, restaurants that have popped up in America where they come around with skewers of meat. Those are, I mean, some of them are good, but for the most part, I'm looking at like, like, you know, watching chefs, uh, down in Argentina on, on the multiple cooking shows that I like to watch every once in a while. And some of their cooking techniques are just, I want to do them. I want to mimic some of these cooking techniques so bad, but I don't really have a place for an open pit fire. I mean, like at least what, what some of these guys are doing. In either event, um, yeah. Keep so keep your eyes on the 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 macro econ the the macro stuff going on around the world is getting thick. It's been thick, but it's I don't I don't know, man. I, I'm, I'm hoping that we've passed a tipping point um, because this has been brewing for a long time yeah 14, but anywhere between thirteen and fifteen countries and or cities in open revolt um that's actually a fair percentage of the entire amount of countries represented in the world and when you think about it from, when I think about it from that standpoint, that can't signal that that people are very happy and I think these protests are gonna grow, and as they grow, capital controls are going more capital controls will come in in more countries. And it's going to tighten liquidity. And I don't know, man, all this seems like it's really bullish for Bitcoin. But here's what we don't want. I don't want to see an economic collapse. Nobody really wants to see that. If there's a way that we can get Bitcoin to bootstrap without a complete destruction of the world's economic system, I think that that would be best. I really don't want because the, the things that come along with a full-blown full, full blown economic collapse is going to result in human death. And I, no, no, I don't think anybody really wants that in this space. Um, So keep it in mind. Is there a way that we can get Bitcoin where we want it without a complete and total, you know, rendering or rending of the world's economic system? Keep that in mind. and I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.